לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. כל רמה, מאה ושתיים שלוש, שלום, everybody, and welcome to Parsha Talk, a special edition of Parsha Talk, because we're not going to talk about the Parsha, we're going to talk about the Seder. I'm Rabbi Elliot Malamet in Highland Park, New Jersey, and with me today, my two great colleagues, Rabbi Barry Chesler, the Jewish Studies Coordinator, Solomon Schechter of Long Island, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, the Rabbi Anche Chesed in Manhattan. It's so great to see you. Chag, pre-chag Sameach, Shabbat Hagadol this week. We're happy to be together. This is great. So we're talking about Pesach. And uh, of course, here we are, the three of us, we are all confined into our various uh, homes. And, um, and we're thinking about how to make Pesach Pesach this year. It's a question that, that is on everybody's mind. And I just want to go around and, and have this conversation about making Pesach Pesach, and what are some of the things that, that you're going to think about, and, and what are some of the questions that, that we need to ask? Rabbi Kalmanovsky, let's, let's begin with you. I would say that, you know, my, the members of my community are, have a, a great deal of uh, worry and anxiety about this. The Torah describes that first Pesach in that panicked evening between the devastation to Egypt with the, with the death of the firstborn and the people's leaving in the morning. It says, um, Eat it in eat it hurriedly or eat it or eat it in anxiety or eat it when you're worried you know this is we're going to have Pesach in that sense of of worrying and trembling because people in my community they're they're worried about their own health they're worried about their loved one's health and i would say that the the particular thing is those of us who have you know blessedly i'm going to be in my apartment with with my spouse and my kids but the people who are not going to be with spouse and kids, people who are accustomed to going to friends who may not have a spouse or kids who, or whose people are distant, they're worried about loneliness. And, um, and I, I would say that the biggest thing that is on people's minds <clears throat> is how to create a sense of togetherness and feeling like you're part of something and not isolated. And that's the thing that I think people have to worry about. Um, throughout Jewish history, You know, American Jewish life, North American Jewish life, Israeli Jewish life, you know, we have, we have some worries, but we have a lot of comfort as well. I think that we're going to recover the chipazon sense of anxiety around Passover this year. Chester. I think we'll come to a new understanding of what it means to have Pesach Babayat, Pesach in the house. The first Pesach that Jeremy mentioned in Egypt was in the Israelites' homes. The way that modern scholars see the development of Pesach in the Bible, originally Pesach was a home ritual. We're all going to be home, and it leads to a lot of questions that we've never asked before. We're in the place that we have to prepare for Pesach, wondering when we're going to do everything. I don't know about you, we haven't gone shopping yet. Neither have I, you know, and, and, and that I think is the most... Uh, anxiety-laden activity now is yeah. to go out and shop. So do we go do one big shopping, or do we do several little shoppings to limit our exposure? Well, let's face it, the three of us are in the uh, risk group here. Right, so I have young kids who drive at home. They know how to use my credit card. 
Good. Can we can we rely on them to do the shopping? So I'm not yet in the risk group there, big well, guys. We're, 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 you know, we're all <laughs> in there, though, Jeremy. By the time Pesach is over, you'll be in it. <laughs> so, so the question I want to ask, I mean, I, I've been thinking about, um, you know, there's that, that lovely, uh, lovely um, note in, in um, the Mishnah, or, or certainly in the Mishnah Torah, where, where Maimonides says, even if you're by yourself, <laughs> you have to ask yourself the four questions. I, and I, I taught that recently. And it's a fascinating conversation because, you know, it, it, it understands that, that A, you know, there, there were circumstances in Jewish history when people found themselves by themselves and we could invent, you know, all sorts of scenarios when people found themselves, you know, either on travel or in prison or, or hostage or, or other, you know, terrible situations. But the point is that, that even when you're in a very limited social situation, that is, could be yourself. You have to discuss. You see, at Mitzrayim, you have to you have to examine freedom. You have to examine. Isn't that isn't that amazing? Because it. isn't that amazing? Because obviously, the term Haggadah is the what we usually call the book Haggadah is is presumably a kind of riff on the phrase like you're going to tell your your descending and tell your child, and that you know these metaphors that like modern people love to make we're all the four children and no no it's actually right there that you have to place yourself uh it's actually emerges from the ancient interpreters too because you have to ask yourself it says you are always simultaneously both parent and child right and you have to place yourself in the role of, of both the one passing on the tradition and the one receiving the tradition. Right. We, even, we all have even, to be both of those things always. Even when you don't have uh, the, the active transmission in front of you, right? Um, and and so you know this this kind of uh, the sense of of responsibility that we now have, even when when we are uh, limited in our social uh, environment. Uh, that that I think is going to be one one of the the main themes, you know, and and of course many of us are talking about uh, how to conduct a Zoom seder. Some some people are, you know, I, I I'm um, I'm very supportive of people in the show that want to do that. Uh, you know, the Sephardic uh, rabbinate, some Sephardic. You saw rabbinate. that? I saw that. That was amazing. Fascinating, fascinating discussion on this. Basically, well, one the one thing I heard was that <laughs> when they finally explained to the rabbis what was going to happen, they became against it. Became against it. Yeah, I, so I think, it's not, yeah, it's not clear but, what their position is. So, so without going into the details of it, the idea that seeing your family, seeing next of kin, you know, in some virtual way would give you a sense of life, that, it's, it, that it is sustaining, I think is a very powerful idea. You, you know, guys probably saw the Natan Sharansky video that went around, right? Did not see that. No. Oh, so good. Natan Sharansky sent sent around a video about I mean, living in isolation. Yes, exactly. He, yeah. he sent around this video that said, "You know, listen, I spent nine years in a Soviet prison in Siberia. I know something about isolation, and I have some pieces of advice for you." And you know, there the, there were different levels of you know, sort of don't don't uh, lose your sense of humor and. Uh, don't pin all your hopes on a given day. It's all going to end on a particular day. But uh, one of the main things that he came came through in that in that piece, which I thought was excellent, was never forget that you are not alone. You know, he said I was arrested for quote unquote Zionist activity 
the very fact that I was in jail reminded me that I'm not alone. And I think that this feeling that, especially people who are, who are unmarried and don't have kids, um, or who are for whatever reason isolated from, from their uh, immediate family, it's just gonna be so uh, present, a sense of aloneness or isolation. So, and I think that it's on Am Yisrael to remind everybody, and this is the, the beauty, I'm doing a second night Zoom, um, uh, which I, there's gonna be a lot of people from the shul, um, just to remind you, you are Bemet, not alone. We are all gonna, gonna be in this together. So, so, so let's talk about peoplehood for a second, because that is, that is going to be, you know, one major theme, which is, you know, Jews are, are leaping into solidarity with, with other Jews at this time. Of course, you know, you know, we do that with large seders, but, but how are we going to accomplish this, um, this sense of peoplehood and solidarity uh, in our situations? And, and maybe, you know, that, that uh, to extrapolate from the Sharansky idea might, might be a, a good theme for people. I don't know, uh, Barry, you want to give some thought to that? I, I think that we have to be mindful, um, as Jeremy said, quoting Sharansky, that we are not alone. And it's easy to be sitting there at the table if you're by yourself to think that you are alone. But as religious Jews believe that, we believe that God is with us. And we have to remind ourselves that when we're doing the Seder, we're not just doing it here at our table. We're doing it with everyone else in the Jewish community, at least in our time zone, let us say. Yeah. And also we're doing it throughout history as well, because we're not just in our time, we're in the past and in the future as well. And obviously it's a leap, perhaps a leap of faith, but I think it's something that we can only do if we are mindful of it. Let me, let me I wanna, I wanna throw, you know, we, 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 I don't have a great answer for the following problem because, you know, in Manhattan, it's, I mean, nowhere, but, but also in Manhattan, it's not so easy to figure out how you're going to deliver food to people or, or, or whatever. Um, we did, you know, the caterer who is not the shul caterer, but it's, he rent space in our kitchen. Uh, you know, he made up, um, the sort of Seder minimums, you know, like some wine, some matzot, some maror, some karpas whatever, just to make sure that everybody who, who, uh, everybody needs those things. You got to have some matzah. You got to have, you got to have arba kosot. And, you know, people don't have to pay for them, but it's not like we could just give them away. But to figure out how literally everybody can have Seder basics, you know, you have all these stories like in Eastern Europe and, or, or even in the, you know, rabbinic sources. If you don't have enough money for Arba Kosot, what do you do? Like, these are not things that American Jews really think about. Ever really think about. And so one of the ways that I hope uh, my shul this year is just saw to it that practically speaking, everybody had a way to obtain some matzah, some maror, some wine, and be able to have... Fascinating, fascinating. Well, let's um, pivot to... to another subject, which is, um, you know, given that people are going to be a little bit down, uh, in what way can we remind them that this is a joyous holiday and that, and that you have potential for joy here? How, how, uh, where, you know, where ask the question, you Billy, so you, you, let's, you, you pose the question. So why don't you try that one? Why don't I try that one? Yeah. I say, look, I, I don't want to, I, I like being with myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I like being, you know, with people that are close to me. I obviously I like I like I I love the Haggadah. We all love the Haggadah. We we I I read something that was fascinating. The first Shabbos of this this whole ordeal, which says that when you're even if you're by yourself sing, even if you're by yourself dance, and and all the Shabboses that I've been by myself, I've opened up my sitter and and I I sing a lot. And, and you know what? It's, it's been joyful, you know? And you close your eyes, and of course, I miss, I miss everybody. I miss all my, my congregants. I miss my the, the, the friends. I miss the people that I, I'm around. But um, I think you can feel very full by missing people. And you can feel very joyous by, by knowing that you don't have it in front of you. Jeremy, you, you've said this many times in our classes at, at Machane Ramah. You know, the things that you that you are pained about only indicate to you how much you love them, right? I get tremendous joy out of that. So that's the great Braslaver line that there's nothing so whole as a broken heart. Sure, you know, and and um, you know, I think I think there's joy almost at every every turn. I think the 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 idea that we can be engaged in in rituals. And and eat matzah and eat maror and and you know not have an elaborate meal like we used to have, but you know and to really kind of begin to explore in different ways you know in this in this new circumstance, I think that there's tremendous simcha shemitzvah. So what I'd like to add is that the whole exercise of a seder in normal years is an act of imagination. Most we're really creating for ourselves a world that only exists at our table. We use the Haggadah, of course, and that's our guidepost, but we're making it up. And this year we can make it up as well, and we can make up joy that doesn't seem to be present and make it happen. I want to tell you a quick little story about, I want to tell you a quick little story about uh, somebody that we all know who's uh, passed away, and, uh, and he was a great, great, great storyteller. Um, and his, it was Morty Leifman who, uh, Morty was the dean of the cantorial school for a bunch of years. He was the dean uh, of the seminary in Israel for some time, and he was a very special personality. And he told me the following story about his father, I guess, or maybe grandfather, probably his grandfather, um, was, you know, in, in excellent Eastern European fo- uh, uh, form, they were, the Jews were expelled from the town. And, and, and I forget exactly, I, th- I think it was a Shavuot story, but it could have been a Pesach story. They were expelled from the town and, uh, and his father was, or grandfather, whoever it was, uh, had to drive his family away in a wagon from the town on a Hag. And he said, it's Yom Tov and we're singing Hallel. And they were dro- driven out of the town uh, they drove themselves out of the town, singing a song of joy amidst their sorrow. A, a spiritual, like every, at a basic level, every sp- person's spiritual quest is to figure out how to love God, love your life, love your people amidst your pain. Perfect. We all have pain. That's it. That's it. And we, we all have to. We have to figure out how to crack the pain open. And I think that lots of Jews through history, you know, it, it's it's a cliche but appropriate to go to, you know, the Jews who rebelled in the Warsaw Ghetto, the people who were in the camps, the people who were in very difficult times. They found a way 
to crack open the joy, to crack open the sorrow, to release the joy. And for most of us, as, as Barry said quite well, we, we have an active imagination and it's still on us to have an active imagination. Uh, this year, we'll, we'll feel a little more constrained. We'll feel a little bit more locked in our houses, not, not as, as wide open as we often do. Um, and that places on us a new burden, but I think that we'll rise to the occasion of figuring out how to extract, squeeze a little bit of the, the little joy out of it. So the other thing I wanted to say is that for most of us, most years, the Seder is the culmination of Pesach. Yeah. But this year, we're going to still be in Mitzrayim at the end of the Seder and at the end of Pesach. And I think that we have the opportunity to see ourselves this year in a very different way, but perhaps more really as actually going on an exodus, because we will come out of this at some point in time, and we will leave our houses, and we will rejoin the world, and we will complete our seders when we do that. So let's, let's use that. I want to I use that to, to, to talk about another theme, and perhaps this, this will be a good theme to conclude with, which is, how is the seder going to give us hope? And, and how is the seder really um, a kind of engine for, for Jewish hope? Uh, that 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 how does the seder cultivate a Jewish posture of hope and hopefulness um, and and you know what are some of the sources in the seder itself that 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 really stimulate the idea of of hope? Here we have we have you know loneliness and peoplehood. We're, we're going to be that. We're, we have uh, joy, which we're gonna we're gonna kind of crack. What's the line from? Is it a let her go. You get. I, yeah. I I I love the fact you sent us the picture of his keber. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna. It's through the cracks the light comes in. Yeah, every, the crack in everything. That's how the light gets that's in. That's how the light gets in. Let's and let's talk about hope. So where, you know, the seder is all about hope. It is. Shana. Shana habba it's it's you know we've always you know thought of the irony of saying that here we are living in the freest country in the world but now you know we can be actually free in a different way you know you know i feel like maror is in a sense the under there's there's a way in which chrein as maror um blows away the symbolism, which is, chrein is, I mean, obviously most of us eat chrein and horseradish, and it's really, it's really intense. But, you know, the, um, the maror as sort of bitter lettuce, like radicchio or endive or whatever, I, I read somewhere actually a really interesting comment that, that ancient lettuce was a lot bitterer. Right, uh, that, that, that nowadays for commercial markets they've softened the whole thing. But I really kind of like that maror is not this, this dose of something that makes your eyes water, but this kind of subtle thing that is a part of the entire karech, right? The entire sandwich is, is freedom and a little, a little note of bitterness. Interesting. You ever tried and mustard greens? Must a little mustard, <laughs> mustard oh, greens. But but so it's mem memory 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 of of Pesach memory of the Korban Pesach memory of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and that really is the the 
the central ingredient of, of being hopeful. If your maror is not, if your maror is a piece of the meal that you eat, that's reality. Yeah. Reality is Korban Pesach is the meal and it's not free of maror. It also has maror yeah. and it's a subtle thing. Then I, I think that really that really works beautifully. And and of course you have the two, the two, these two big gigantic every generations. In every generation you have to see yourself as going free. In every generation they rise up against us to try to kill us. Those two Beholdor Bador's are the dynamic of the Seder, and they're both real. You know, they're both totally real. We feel liberation and we feel attack. And how do we get in touch with each of those things? And, and the reminder that we're going to survive. We are going to survive. We're going to survive worse than this. Absolutely. Rabbi Chesler. I, I think it was very well said by Jeremy. Um, I think what will perhaps move people this year will be Hallel, because it's an opportunity to sing. Most of us have favorite melodies that go with Hallel. And the one before the before we eat, but say Yisrael, Mim Yisrael, I think might have a special resonance this year. Because I think more years than most, we all have a sense of what it means to be a Mitzrayim, especially if we accept the, the drosh of being between the two straits. We feel ourselves constricted, hemmed in, and this is our opportunity to burst through and to open up our constrictions, even if we can't get out of the house to the measure that we wish, but at least we can sing out loud. So maybe in conclusion, what we could say is, instead of looking at this... Uh the satyrs as, um, as really overwhelming, um, maybe we can see that there are tremendous gifts here. There are, there are tremendous possibilities in ways that we have not yet discovered. Possibilities for peoplehood, even when we're alone. Possibilities for joy, even when we are quite overwhelmed. And possibilities for hope, even when we are afraid. We are afraid of stepping outside. We're afraid of of uh, going just, you know, to, to buy food. Um, maybe opening the door for Elijah is going to have uh, some tremendous meaning to, you know, you know, instead of saying we're going to say, you know, let's gather the strength to be able to encounter a world that, um, that we will be ready for and that this experience will incubate us for not only immunity from the virus, but immunity from despair. Oh. from worry. And that's, that's, that's if I only if I only got lucky enough to hear that, that'll make the day. <laughs> Dayeno. Uh, Dayeno. Well, we want to wish uh, our three viewers. <laughs> <laughs> we want to wish both of you. Good <laughs> yanta. This we we still may, we may yet we may yet be back. We'll see. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back. Absolutely. Actually, and, you know, uh, the virus stinks, but but uh, the fact that a resurrected Pasha talk. Man. Absolutely, it's, it's it's really one of the great blessings of the virus. Amen to that. Amen, amen, amen. So, for my buddies, Rabbi Chesler, Rabbi Kamenowski, with the team, I'm, have a wonderful Shabbos Agadol. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. 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 Bye